Corteva AgroScience provides cutting-edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. Today on Ag News Daily. And I know we have plenty of energy in America, but we're just not uh, utilizing it correctly. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Well, it is Monday, September 11th, listeners. Jennifer here today to deliver the news to you all as Tanner and Delaney are both very busy people, so they will be back on tomorrow. But for today, you are all stuck listening to me. So let's jump right into it, beginning with our weather. As Successful Farming says rainfall is forecasted for parts of central and southern Iowa today, though severe weather is not expected. Isolated thunderstorms are projected in counties in northern Illinois this morning, with more following tomorrow afternoon. Showers are forecasted for eastern Oklahoma and parts of Arkansas today, and rain is expected overnight and tomorrow. Showers will gradually end on Tuesday, but return late Wednesday into Thursday as another storm system approaches the region. Jumping into our first news article of the day, India reduces import tariffs on U.S. turkey and duck meat. In the second breakthrough in three months, India said on the sidelines of the G20 summit meeting that it would reduce import duties on frozen U.S. turkey and duck meat. Lower tariffs will give U.S. exports a chance to win sales in the rapidly growing market. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai said the announcement resolved the the last outstanding dispute between the nations, an important milestone in trade relations. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said important progress has been recorded, but significant tariff and non-tariff barriers to American agricultural products assessing the Indian market remain. India has agreed to reduce tariffs on U.S. products, including frozen turkey, frozen duck, and fresh, frozen, dried, and processed blueberries and cranberries, said Thai's office on Friday. In late June, as part of a visit by Prime Minister Narendra Modi to Washington, the tariffs announced the removal of retaliatory tariffs on U.S. apples, chickpeas, lentils, almonds, and walnuts. The development took effect last week. At present, India is a small market for U.S. food and ag exports. Sales were forecasted at $1.6 billion in the fiscal year that opens on October 1st, or slightly less than 1% of farm exports. The United States was forecasted to import twice as much of Indian food and ag products at $3.2 billion. Under the latest agreement, India will remove retaliatory tariffs and reduce the basic tariff to 5% on frozen whole turkeys and frozen turkeys, parts from the current 30%, said the National Turkey Federation. Indian TV news channel ABP Live said, while all trade disputes between both nations now stand resolved, India did not stand to gain much. 
the 2019 Trump-era cancellation of $6 billion worth of trade benefits to Indian exporters through the U.S. generalized system of preferences was not restored, it said. India, or excuse me, poultry trade has been an issue between the nations since 2007, with India saying it needed to protect its producers from low-priced U.S.-grown chicken legs. The United States took the issue to the WTO and ended up winning. The United States is among six nations to accuse India in April of violating the world trade rules by giving exorbitant subsidies to its wheat and rice growers. The lavish aid was equal to 81% of value of the wheat crop and 94% of value of the rice crop in 2020-21. Although India had agreed to limit its market prices supports to 10%, said the counter notification filed by Australia, India, Paraguay, Thailand, Ukraine, and the United States. Looking at our next article, USDA funds $266 million for renewable energy loans and grants. U.S. Secretary Tom Vilsack announced a slew of new funding from the USDA for 1,334 renewable energy and energy efficiency projects in 47 states, Guam, and Puerto Rico. The projects will total $266 million in funding that comes from the Rural Energy for America program and the Inflation Reduction Act. Vilsack announced at the 2023 Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. Agricultural producers and rural small businesses are the focus of the funding, with 40% of the investments going to marginalized, underserved, and underinvested communities as part of the Justice 40 initiative. USDA said it hopes the investments will lower energy costs, generate new income, and strengthen the resilience of operations who receive the loans and grants. Up to $1.3 billion in funding has been made available through REAP since December 2022, and applications for loans and grants are still getting accepted by the USDA. Applications will be accepted through the quarterly funding competitions through September 30th, 2024. Jumping into our final article of the day on Tyson Foods, this one is A crazy one to bring up on a Monday, you may have heard of it by now, but Tyson's Foods is teaming up with Gatic AI in a multi-year collaboration to deploy autonomous, self-driving refrigerated box trucks to bolster Tyson routes in northwest Arkansas. Operating 18 hours a day, trucks will deliver Tyson, Jimmy Dean, and Ballpark products, among others, to the company's distribution and storage facilities in the Rogers and Springdale, Arkansas areas. Beginning this week, the collaboration includes multiple trucks with the potential for expansion at other Tyson locations in the future. A safety driver will initially be present in the cab to monitor the autonomous system and take command of operating the truck if required. The trucks are equipped with a 26-foot temperature-controlled box purpose-built to transport refrigerated and frozen goods quickly and safely and multiple sensor modalities that are custom-designed for fail-safe, short-haul B2B operations, Tyson said. The partnership is expected to provide the company with increased asset utilization within its short-haul logistics network, assist with inventory objectives, all while supporting a transition to a more responsive, high-frequency approach to goods movement. Additionally, autonomous trucks operate with increased efficiency and sustainability, 
leading to reduced emissions and enhanced food economy. At Tyson's Food, we are innovating and using automation throughout our business, including in transportation, said Patrick Simons, Vice President of Transportation for Tyson Foods. This partnership allows us to strategically place our drivers where they are needed most, while still reliably and safely transporting protein from the plant to distribution centers. Moving into our markets for the day, as I am out of news, December corn is in the green too, bringing it to 485 and three quarters. March 24 corn is in the green two and a quarter, leaving it at 500 and a quarter. November soybeans is in the green six even, leaving it at 1369. January beans are also up six, bringing it to 1384. Looking at March, or excuse me, looking at October soybean meal, it is in the green 3.3, leaving it at 406 even. December wheat is in the red 11 and a quarter, leaving it at 584 and a half for the day. Hard red winter wheat in December are also down eight and a quarter, leaving it at 723 and three quarters. Moving into our livestock markets, October live cattle are up one, bringing it to 184.225. September feeder cattle are also up 87.5, bringing it to 256.225. October lean hogs are also up one. 025, leaving at 82.55. Wrapping it up for today, December lean hogs are up 0.2, leaving it at 74.65. Jumping into our Market Monday conversation, Delaney chatted with Tommy Grisafi. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Well, folks, for today's Market Monday conversation, we're joined by one of our favorite market analysts and brokers, Tommy Grzafi with Advanced Trading Inc. Tommy, how are you doing today? Not bad, Delaney. Uh, we were talking off air. The weather is so much nicer, a little drizzle. We could use this rain a few weeks ago in these cooler temps, but uh, nonetheless, adding a little moisture to the ground here in the Midwest, especially in that Quad Cities area. Talked to a client, said he received two inches of rain. He was still happy about it, just wished it was a few weeks ago. Absolutely. I think that's definitely been the general consensus from a lot of farmers I've spoken with as well. So, Tommy, I think that begs the question, you know, we've got a wise to report this week. Do we see USDA adjust yield? I, I do think we'll see them adjust the yield a little bit. And then we might also see them adjust uh, some other numbers. And as they back into those numbers and look at the uh, the residual and they look at the overall carryout when based on demand, um, we may have a way smaller crop or a little bit smaller crop and still have a 2 billion bushel carryout. So during these USDA numbers, it's uh, this document comes out a lot of pages long and there's a shuffle game that happens in there. And in the end, the initial headline could be bullish 
but the real deep information could be bearish or vice versa. It's USDA number. You got to respect it. There's risk in it. Uh, but overall, we may, uh, we may, the American farmer may be disappointed that we've just finally, after years and years, overproduced our, our bushels of corn and we have too much. Well, Tommy, do you expect to see any big headlines or surprises coming out on tomorrow's WASD? Well, even, you know, that's a great question. Even if we had a big upside surprise, we'd barely get to $5. I mean, if we, if we really had a nice upside surprise, we'd be around that 510, 520 level. And that's not enough to get anyone excited. If we had a bearish surprise, we could stay at those levels for a little bit of time. And then I think demand would pick up and we'd start to see exports increase. But when we talk about exports, we have a couple other problems here. We, as you know, you probably covered on uh, various networks you're affiliated with, but that Panama Canal is really messed up. And without it raining there, they're having a hundred year drought in Panama. And of course our lower Mississippi rivers, hopefully though, now I think about it, I hope those rains we received last night and today actually help replenish the Mississippi river because we need that river to have that water up. So if we're going to have lower prices and we're all going to yell that demand's going to pick up, we need to make sure we can export that grain to the rest of the world. Yeah. I know you have quite a few customers up in the Pacific or in the uh, Dakota areas as well, up there in the PNW, Tommy, have they started to mention if basis has been impacted yet because of lower barge river levels? N not quite yet, but I think we'll see it. I think as soon as harvest hits, if uh, the PNW calls for trains, and so they, they make calls to the uh, northern states, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, they start ordering trains, we could see that basis improve. Um, not quite yet, but we're also blessed in North Dakota with a really good crop. So if you do see a wider basis currently in North Dakota, it's because they know the bushels are coming. They're dropping their bids, just saying, hey, if you can't store it, you know it's going to cost you to drop it off here. And there is a tremendous cost in dealing with the bushel of grain because interest rates have doubled slash tripled since last harvest. And, and that sets a whole new set of mathematics when it comes to grain merchandising and marketing Delaney. Tommy, you mentioned uh, the $5 mark, which is definitely a psychological level for new crop corn. And we saw it jump back above $5 for a little while at the end of August or end of July, beginning of August, but we've since come back down from there. What caused that short-term jump above $5? And do we see that happen again before harvest? Well, harvest rallies are interesting. They usually come in the cash market. What initially caused that was that this uh, uh, round two, round three of hot, dry weather at the end of August and the deteriorating crop conditions. The funds have since uh, been aggressively selling corn and wheat. And so they've really kept a, a lid on this grain price. Could we pop back above there? Absolutely. But again, remind our folks listening, we're not saying corn could go to six or seven. We're saying can corn go to five, which is for most people, barely a break even. So we're not, our, we need to really tone down our expectations moving forward. Even when we talk about 2024 crop, we need to have realistic expectations. Tommy, it looks like Grains were pretty healthy, though, today overall. Anything that bumped headlines? I mean, we got some rain, so I figured that would have seen markets go a little lower today. Yeah, you know, corn market hung in there, a little bit of short covering, uh, end user buying probably. We did see some exports of soybean meal uh, to the Philippines, I believe. And uh, overall, soybeans hit a, a nice little rally. 
wheat was the dog and it's going to be hard to get corn to explode with wheat december wheat made new contract lows today so a uh, little optimism in corn a little bit in beans a little positioning straightening out before uh, this big bad report but yet wheat just uh not making any friends here at the chicago board of trade I mean, what about when we look at livestock? They're certainly still continuing to push higher in the cattle complex, but how much higher can we go? We can go uh, as high as someone yells uncle. Uh, the <laughs> cattle market can go up till the con- we lose the consumer demand. And once we lose the consumer, we'll lose them for a while. So if we change people's eating habits based on that, hey, gasoline's went up, uh, I have to make a decision. Am I going to put gas in my car? Am I going to go out and buy uh, premium cuts of uh, beef, that that would be one way to kill demand. But overall, the stock market had a good day today. There's still uh, money in the economy. I think you'll see us go to a little bit more of uh, the premium cuts will come down and we'll go more to a hamburger economy. But we're selling a ton of hamburger, right? I mean, Americans in our economy loves beef. It just may change from uh, ordering a, a beautiful uh, uh ribeye to maybe a different cut of meat and you get something that's a little bit more affordable so if people like red meat they'll keep consuming it but at some point they'll say i just can't do this and that would be very bad for the beef industry well i mean that's the thing too is domestic demand really has kept this market moving but when you look at projections for the global meat market a lot of countries like China have started to build back up their reserves, maybe aren't going to buy as much or aren't forecasted to buy as much. So how much of this rally that we've seen in the cattle complex has been domestic demand versus global demand? Well, that's a great question. I'm just not smart enough to uh, comment on that. (laughs) I can say this is that domestically, I know personally, when I go into a restaurant or when I go to the store, I am shocked at how much, uh, beef costs. Now I've been blessed to, uh, I've bought some beef from uh, the local, uh, the auction here at the Porter County fair when we had the 4-H auction where I buy beef from clients. So I'm, I, I'm not used to going to the store and buying it. I'm used to buying a whole beef or a half a beef and then having it in the freezer. I can't imagine the sticker shock of some of these products, but you know, Delaney, it's not just beef. There's sticker shock when I go to the store and buy chicken and, uh, everything is expensive. We, we cannot outrun, that it is expensive to buy high quality protein and still nobody's better at producing high quality protein than the American farmer and rancher. Well, Tommy, you know, part of the reason we've been having to pay more money, of course, is because of inflation and you're kind of our uh, resident inflation expert. Where do we head from here? We saw the Federal Reserve Beige Book come out last week. We're getting forecasts of whether or not we see an interest rate until November. What's your guesses? Well, I would have thought by now things would have calmed down a little bit, but the the numbers they look at and the inflation level they want us at, we're not there. And for them to get us, them being the Federal Reserve, to get us to that level, they would have to raise rates one or two more times. I can tell you this, the housing markets cried uncle, uh, not a lot of people running out to go get an 8% mortgage on a big house. And it, it allows you to buy way less house because you are spending so much money in interest. Uh, I think we start to see that uh, the reality of lower commodity prices and higher interest rates are really going to start to eat away at people and it'll eat away at their balance sheet real quietly. Tommy, is there any other big headlines or stories that our listeners need to be aware of this week? 
Uh, well, it's a tail end from last week that crude oil has been moving up gently, gently, gently. And all of a sudden you look, we're $87, $80 crude. I went and filled up the uh, car this weekend. We're in the fours for gas. Diesel has a five in front of us. And the American farmer does not need that. The American consumer does not need that high energy cost. It's a real thorn in our side. And I know we have plenty of energy in America, but we're just not uh, utilizing it correctly. Awesome. Well, Tommy, if any of our listeners want to hit you up for more market questions, how can they find you? Yeah, give us a call. 1-800-664-4383. We will be sitting here patiently by the phone waiting. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tommy, for chatting markets today. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today on this fine market Monday. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow and the rest of the week to hear Delaney and Tanner chat about all things news and some pretty good interviews coming up soon. But in the meantime, we are going to let you go. 